No, no, no. She's not a medical doctor, but she can sure cure your tax problems or your financial woes. She's the how-to girl. It's the Dr. Friday Show. If you have a question for Dr. Friday, call her now, 737-WWTN. That's 737-9986. So here's your host, financial counselor and tax consultant, Dr. Friday. G'day, I'm Dr. Friday, and the doctor is in the house. Today, we're going to be talking about my favorite subject, which, of course, is taxes. There has been a few minor upchanges on a few things that might be on the other unique side of things, but um, we're going to cover that. And, of course, many of you are probably getting all of your tax records together, so it's time for you to probably start thinking about I wouldn't rush still because I know many people are still waiting. W-2s do not have to be out quite yet. Um, 1099s are still being processed, at least in our office. So um, many of those will be something that may hold you up in processing that information and don't rush to file something until you have all of your documentation. It's not worth the IRS turning around and changing your tax return, which is something that can happen anytime they don't have the right information on the right lines that matches what they think you should have. All right, we're going to go right to the phone lines. We've got Ryan. I love it when my phone lines start lighting up early. Hey, Ryan, what's happening? Uh, I hope it's Brian because that's me. Oh, Okay, Brian, I am so sorry. My typo on that one. Uh, let me give you my total and see if I need to pay federal. 29865 Social Security of that is 27816 And the other is PBC and just a little bit of bank uh, interest. Is that all you have total? Unfortunately, that's it. Okay, then you don't need to file taxes. Oh, I'll take that as the gospel. Thank you so much. No worries. Thanks, babe. All right. And that's always a good question because sometimes life changes every year, right? I mean, sometimes you get a little more interest. Interest rates have come up. So people might actually get a little interest for the money that they have in the bank. Um, it's also one of those situations where you just want to make sure that, you know, the biggest thing is most of his income was coming through Social Security. Social Security in itself is not taxable unless you have other income. Then it can be made taxable up to 85% of what you receive. Um, so it's just important to make sure you understand how that works and what you have going on. So the IRS has released just recently the 1099K. I think I've brought that up in the past. That's the one that started out back in 2021. If you guys remember, they were going to basically do $600 or 20 20 transactions, whichever you had. Um, and, uh, and then they pushed it out and now it's going to be $5,000 or 20 transactions. So if you're using eBay, PayPal, um, some sort of cash app to receive, uh, money through doing different things, um, it's the, the max is if you have Overall, not just one transaction, but if you have more than $5,000 in a 12-month cycle of January through December or 20 transactions, they will be issuing you a 1099K. Now, I'm going to tell you that I've already had one person receive one that um, 
was based on the six hundred dollars. So one of the one of the companies, um, I guess, had already set up and started to try to do the loss, and they had issued one to her, um, and she had had more than six hundred dollars, but she did not yet have five thousand last year. But yet she did receive the ten ninety nine k from one of the cash app. Um, organizations. So that's going to be um, an interesting situation that you want to make sure that, um, again, this is really for individuals that maybe um, are big on garage selling through the, the internet. Uh, I call it garage selling, taking things from your own house and selling it, um, or people that like to go out, shop, and then put them on the internet to sell, which is truly a legitimate business. Um, and if you're selling 20 or 30 things a year, I would say the IRS would probably consider that a business, even if it was your own, because most people have a very difficult time finding the proof that that was something you purchased 10 years ago, not something you may have put up at a garage sale or something you um, got some other way. So it's really important if you're an individual that really likes the idea of, you know, buying something, living with it for a while, and then instead of just storing it or whatever, you put it on the internet, you need to start tracking your personal expenses. So that way, because that's what the IRS, otherwise they'll say your basis is zero and you sell it for $500. Now you're paying tax on $500, um, which would be normally zero because you probably paid a thousand for that item. All right, let's hit Laura in Gallatin. Hey, Laura, what can I do for you, sweetheart? Hey, I would like to know, I have a 21 year old daughter who was in mm -hmm. full-time college last year she had, uh, she made $5,000 on her W-2, and uh -huh. I am just wondering, can I still claim her uh, as a dependent, or is she past that age? Yeah, age, I know one. Yes, I mean, here's the true test. Did you provide more than 50% of her care? And if she lived at home, that means room and board. Um, if you if she's still on your life, your health insurance, then you've covered that if she has a car and she's on your car, all of those things would add up. And if she only earned $5,000, I'm going to guess that you did actually, even if she didn't live in the house, but she lived on campus because she was away, they still consider that at home for the purpose of uh, the test. So she would still qualify as your dependent for that mm -hmm. year. Um, and you might want to make sure um, she may have some college credits that you could qualify for as well. All right. So yeah, that's, that was another question that I had. What kind of credits? I saw something last year um, for, you could get uh, credit for books. Um, we bought her right. a new So uh, she would get a form. A, she will get a form from the college called a 1098T. It's going to show how much her tuition and then if she had any grants, scholarships, whatever, you know, that may have been paid back on her behalf. And if there is a difference, and then you can add in um, some college, if you do lifetime, you could add in the books, uh, tutors, things like that, that may have also come into play. And it doesn't make a difference if there was college loans or if you paid for it one way or the other, it will be paid with after tax dollars, assuming they don't give everyone a free ride, then, um, you know, so she would still be a dependent and you can use that 1098T to see up to $2,500 depending on income and situations. All right. Great. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you. 
All right. If you want to join the show, you can 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. This next section we'll talk about is for qualified business, mostly tax exempt organizations or entities at such a state or tribal, which doesn't really apply in most of ours. Um, there's the new elective payment and transfer credit. This is really dealing with they're They're starting to really get into the clean energy accounts. Um, if you are a business that deals with the clean energy. Um, you do want to go on to the IRS. There's a website and you want to go ahead and get registered um, under the IRS, the Inflation Reaction, uh, Reduction Act, as well as the CHIPS Act of 2022. You can pre-file registration right there on the website. The publication is 5884. The reason I'm bringing it up, it's just opening. And there are more people than you think that are really working, trying to get qualified and get the credits because those are credits that you can use, even in a nonprofit that doesn't pay tax, you may still want to register if you're dealing with the clean energy. Uh, so that way you can start applying those credits. And that way you also get um, certain uh, qualifications that come along with that as well. And that may be useful if you're in that particular type of business. And we all know that there's a lot more going towards clean energy and, and battery operated vehicles and all that good stuff. All right, real quick, let's hit Chase in the borough and then we'll come to Mary. Hey, Chase. Hey, I, so my question is, uh, me and my wife got a divorce three years ago, and mm-hmm. our four-year-old goes to daycare. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the the tax credit that you get for paying daycare or the mm-hmm. whatever, the credit, um, yep. do you, do we both get to file that? Or, because every other year we go, you know, we file, one of us filed yeah. last year, this this year I get to do it. Um, right. So every so other year you may qualify as head of household, but you both won't be able to take that credit. I mean, so if it's a 50, 50 deal, someone theoretically, according to the IRS has one day longer than the other because of the way the, the calendar is. Uh, and you guys have already decided that even years is yours, odds, hers, whatever. Um, so you guys get right. the child every other year. That's the year you're ending up with the child credit. Um, too bad if you're so in that, a great relationship with a spouse, it would be great if you can do the same year you pay it and then she gets 100% and you get 100% in the years that you claim the child because I don't know how much you pay. Okay, so the half of daycare that she pays for, so do I get to file for her half that she, she no. doesn't get that credit? No. Now, do I get you to don't. file the full amount of $7,000 or? No. You get okay, to claim so what you paid. You don't get to claim okay. the part that she paid. That's what I said. Unfortunately, if, you, if you're kind of in a team effort trying to outdo the IRS, which I have some clients that are really good at doing that, the years that you claim the child are the years that you pay 100% and the years she claims that she pays 100%. And then that way, but to be honest with you, it cuts off at like $2,500. I mean, the maximum credit's like 500 you get. Um, you don't get okay. all of the money you pay. So you may already be maximizing, Chase the amount anyways, you know I mean? It may not be something you have to worry about chasing because 7,000 is above the number. Okay. Well, thank you so much. No worries. Thanks. Let's hit Mary really quick. So she doesn't have to go through the break. Hey, Mary. Hi, I have a question. Yes. Um, I have, uh, I, regarding the first caller, the first caller uh-huh. asked about, um, did he need to file taxes or not? And he only made so much, so did he have to file? Right. So my question is, doesn't Social Security make, and if shouldn't he file to get that back? 
No, because Social Security, I mean, right now we don't have any refundable credits. We don't have any, uh, he doesn't pay in any federal withholdings with his Social Security because he's in a zero tax bracket. Now I will have say some clients of mine have federal withholding come out because they know they're in a tax bracket that they're going to pay tax on their Social Security. This gentleman, okay. um, from my experience, does not have anything coming out. So Mary, you're correct. If someone's listening and you had any kind of federal withholdings come out of either the small pension that he may have been getting or your social security, you always want to file to get your own money back. But I would right. also say okay. change your withholdings. Okay. Zero. All right. Thank you. No problem. Thank you so much. Great question. All right, guys, I'm going to get back here, but reiterate what Mary was saying, just so I make sure I'm straight. She's correct. If you're having any type of withholdings, even if you're at that lower income bracket, so Brian, who had called in, if you have a small amount of money or small pension or something, and they're withholding or on your Social Security, any federal withholdings, you always want to file to get that money back. You don't want to leave money on the table. But I would also say, in Brian's case at least, don't have any withholdings. You don't owe any taxes, therefore don't give them any money, and therefore you don't have to file. So just make sure that you understand if you do or don't have to file. I'm not saying it, there's not a lot of people that don't get to don't get to file, but just putting that out there. All right, we're going to take a quick break. You can reach us here in the studio, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. We'll be right back with the Dr. Friday Show. All righty, we are back here live in studio. You can join us live if you want at 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. Do you want to make an announcement? Monday is the day that the IRS is opening up for e-file. That's the 29th. Then we can start actually sending out tax returns. Um, and that would actually be for 21, 22, and 23. E-file officially reopens for the year's in that uh, situation that are allowed to be e-filed, which is three years at this point. So just putting that out there and the IRS does have uh, free filing. You can go to irs.gov available for, they say millions of taxpayers can get free filing. Um, just be careful, make sure. I've had people say that they went on thinking they were gonna get free filing and it turned out that they tried to have to pay. I don't know the, the, what the qualification for a free filing is. Um, it used to be $65,000 or less, no schedule C's, no earned income credit. Uh, here we go. So it's uh, 79,000 or less uh, for individuals on most of them. And that would double, I would think if it was a married couple, but it's really only for W-2s. If you have rental properties or you have children and you qualify for earned income credit, my understanding, all of those would come back into play where you would actually possibly have to um, have to pay something. Also on the IRS website, I want to lead you guys to that site, especially now when you're getting ready to file your taxes and you see that you owe money and you're a W-2. 
So, I mean, most cases you shouldn't owe money, you know what I mean? Because you're basically taking out every paycheck enough to cover your taxes. Unless you, of course, have a sidekick or, or a side business, right? Where you do some Uber or you do something and you make a little money on the side, then sure, you're going to owe money on the profit of that business. But normal W-2 individuals should not owe. And if you don't, or you do owe money, excuse me, you can go to irs.gov, un click under individuals, um, and then um, you can actually do a paycheck checkup. So you can recalculate maybe what you're doing. The biggest reason I find that people have an in, uh, a situation where they do two things. One, sometimes they work off a lot of bonuses, and sometimes people will play with it a little bit because if you get a $40,000 bonus on one check, they're going to take 28%, and maybe you only made a total for the year of 80,000 and therefore it would have taken way too much tax out at the time. But it's also a game that's very difficult to play, especially with the new W-4. The other side of it is, is one of you make more than for a married couple, let's say a married couple, one of you make more than 150 or your combined income is over the 150, then you're actually in another tax bracket. So um, if you're claiming married in two and your husband's claiming married in two, and you're married with two children, you're not going to have enough taxes coming out if you're in the higher tax brackets. Because both of you are claiming children, well, only one person can claim the children and actually get the right amount of tax to come out, right? Because it makes sense. And you're both claiming married, which means in essence, according to tax code, married means you're supporting a spouse and two children with married and two. Well, if you're married and the other person's making as much or more than you, then you're, you really don't want to always be claiming married. And I've had people walk in my office more than once. Cause I'll say, you know what? You should be claiming single and zero and you should be claiming single and two because single means one person. And then the dependents being whatever they are. And again, this really affects more people that are making more than 150 combined, because now you get into the other taxations. Once you're over 250, then there's the penalty um, for making more than 250,000 as a married couple. And there's additional tax. So as you go up, it is definitely going to be more of a, a game of understanding. If you're in the lower tax brackets and you're both making 20 or 30,000 and you're both claiming married and two kids, it's probably not having a huge effect because by the time you get your standard deduction out, you're probably having enough. But I have people that will Somehow they'll make thirty or forty thousand dollars, and they'll pay three or four hundred dollars, but yet they say they're claiming married in one or married in two, and that's where it gets distorted. So very important to check your paychecks. And now's the perfect time. It's January. Any changes you make now will pretty much affect you all the way through to the end of the year. If you wait till April or May when you actually finish your filing, some people will file in April. Then you've already missed the first quarter. So now you're, you know, you may have to accelerate a little extra withholding just to compensate for the first four months that you had going there. So very important to basically look at your information now and say, okay, if I file my taxes and I'm owing more than $500, more than a thousand, whatever that comfort zone is, because anything over 500, you could get hit with a penalty depending on prior year amounts. So we don't want penalties, right? I mean, that's just silly. Give the government more money just because you had it sitting in the bank or something. I know it's nice to have your own money in your bank, but theoretically it's the IRS's money. So why not give them the money? And then that way you don't have to worry about it. So it's kind of important to make sure that you're not just sending out money to have it in the bank just in case. Um, and then you turn around and you're like, oh, wait, um, now I have to pay them plus a penalty and interest. And that is never a good thing. Um, 
for any of us. So just making sure that you have that information um, and how that, that's going to work. And for the individual that likes to go and buy a big truck every year, or every few years, you need to understand, um, you know, rule allowing 100% deductive of capital expenditures, um, how that's going to work. Because right now you're going to get 80% under bonus depreciation. Um, and bonus depreciation in 2024 is going to drop to 60%. And by the, you know, they're trying by year 2027 to bring that down to 20%. So the person that basically runs out and says, you know what, I'm going to go and buy my 40,000, 60, $80,000 truck. And I'm going to put it on because I need a truck for my business. And I use it all only for my business, a legitimate true tax deduction. And you're, you're used to writing that off. That is not going to happen this year. You are not going to hit that 100% of that tax deduction. You're going to, you're going to get 80% this year. So Again, in your mathematics, when you're doing this and can't go backwards. So if you thought you were going to get a full deduction of your Section 179 situation, um, you're going to find out that those rules uh, allow 100%, but they're going to change. Bonus depreciation, clarified bonus depreciation um, phases out. Uh, that was based on the 2017. And right now, bonus depreciation is at 80%. So kind of important to know. Um, you know, section 179 is allowed for certain things, uh, placed in business, but that's going to start kicking out because if you purchase 130, assuming 35% tax bracket, you're going to free up about $70,000. Uh, section 179 will have some limitations based on income. Uh, so and that they're trying to move that down. Um, so again, section 179 allows business to deduct 100% of the product, but that's not bonus. Bonus depreciation is only going to allow 80%. Section 179 will allow 100%, but that has to be qualified equipment and software placed in during the year. Um, and that's going to change. And again, it may test you as far as if your income um, is higher it may bring it out where we're not going to get 100% on those. So just putting that out there. So start looking at not only 2023, but you're in 2024. And you may need to start evaluating if you're going to be qualifying for 100%, 80%, 60%, depending on the year we're talking. So it's very important that, you know, the wonderful thing about tax law it changes all the time. Your SUV does have to be over 6,000 pounds um, is uh, $28,900 for section one. Okay. So let me clarify section 179. I had someone just send me saying, well, can I deduct my hundred thousand maximum depreciation you can take is 28,900 for the tax year of 2024, 30,500 on a section 179 for a, a heavy SUV. So there is some changes on here. So just make sure you're doing your taxes if you do them yourself, or I'm sure your tax person should know this, uh, but just you know, make sure that you understand that you may not be qualifying for as much as you had in the past on some of the depreciation that was on the books prior to this time period. So Again, tax law changes. If you want to join the show, you can 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986, taking your calls, talking about all kinds of different types of limitations. Um, I had someone send in an email earlier this week that also asked about a like-kind exchange, um, and she was trying to do it on her primary home. And just so you know, like-kind is a business 
not an individual. So it is a, it's part of real personal tangible property. It is investment property. So, um, and you do want to make sure that you are handling that completely right. You, most likely you want to hire an attorney that does 1031 exchanges, and then they can handle putting the money in escrow, transferring it to the new property. Everything is kosher. So that way you don't have to get in the middle of, did you ever touch the money? Was the money ever a part of your situation? Very important to see how all that's going to work and, and what that's going to be. Because 1031s, I'm totally an advocate for. Uh, but if it's handled wrong, then it's not going to be a good day for us. So just making sure that you have some of those. We're going to come back and talk about some of the changes to fringe benefits and a couple new credits that's available for businesses with employees. And you can also join the show at 615-737-9986. 615-737-9986. Seven three seven nine nine eight six. I'm Dr. Friday, an enrolled agent licensed by the Internal Revenue Service to do taxes and representation. Been doing this for 20 plus years. So if you have questions and you're not too sure, even if I don't know the exact answer, I guarantee you I can find someone that's an expert, most likely, or at least someone that handles that part of tax law or business law that can help you get your situation straightened out. So we're going to take a break. When we get back, we'll take to your calls 615 737 9986. We are back here live in studio. And if you've got questions, you can join the show. 615-737-9986-615-737-9986. As I said before, uh, Monday will be the beginning of actually filing taxes from that point on. Most people should be able to see uh, their refunds within 21 days from the date of filing. Some people get it faster. Some people get slower. They have told that people with earned income or, or child credits may be out till mid-February, that being the fact because they're trying to verify the children um, and just making sure that they are giving the credit to the right uh, information for e all of that. Um, there is uh, actually a big movement on that. Another important thing is the IRS is also saying, reminding taxpayers that they must, again, answer the digital asset question um, and, and report it on your 2023. That would mean cryptocurrency or other digital assets that you might have. You have to ask. Now they're asking, have you ever purchased it? Have you ever sold it? Uh, um, you know, uh, it's uh, quite the uh, question that we have to deal with on that one. So it's it's a little bit more than than last time. I think it started out basically 2021 was pretty simple. Did you ever did you sell any virtual currency? Now they're they're moving into and also um, more questions on that. Also for business owners, uh, they are double checking your um, your NIC number to make sure they've changed some of those regulations as far as what fits into what. So when you file the return, you'll need to double check the, the code. It's a six digit code that they have out there um, that you'll have uh, on your tax return. So if you have any questions, again, you can join the show 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. Let's go to Pat in Cookville. Hey, Pat, what can I do for you? Yeah, I'm just wondering, I, I heard on your show that when you when you gift your required minimum distribution to a charity, it's non-taxable to you. So I'm wondering how that would work. Is it a separate form to fill out on the tax return? 
It uh, falls under the 8606. So basically you're going to have, it is, it's a continuation. So if you're filling out the 1099R where you put that in the tax software, there is a section that will ask what your qualified charitable deduction is. And then if you're multiple, I usually list the, the charities that it went to and how much some of my people do multiple if it's only one. Um, and then that information then will immediately reduce it from the 1040 on the front page. So, so it's 100% tax deduction. So the form is 8606 that I would need to fill out? Right, right. You're going to complete the 1099R, but it will bounce over to the 8606, which is where all the information for retirement end up working its way through. Yeah, I don't I don't complete the 1099R. The, the, um, the you, you receive it, and then you have to put it into your tax software. I'm assuming you use a tax software. I don't know if you use paper or do you do tax software? No, I do it on paper. Okay. Uh, so then you're going right onto the 1040. So in your case, you're just going to, um, you, let's see here, you're going to complete, you're going to, since you don't, you know, this is what happens when you put uh, that on. Because on ours, basically all you're going to do is you're just going to put it in under um, gross distribution on the 1040. You know, on the, on the first side, there's usually two boxes for the 10, uh, on the 1040, what's gross and what's taxable. You're going to right. put the total amount of your gross under the gross one, and then tax will be zero or the remaining amount be that if you didn't give 100% of your 1099. Okay. That's what, that's that makes sense. Right. So box, I think it's yes, 5A yes. would be the gross I, amount. 5B yeah. would be less the charity. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. No problem. Thanks. All right. Let's go to Lisa in Nashville and see if I can help. Hey, Lisa. Hi, Dr. Friday. You're awesome. I just absolutely love you. Um, had a quick question. My mom's 84. She collects Social Security um, for, you know, for years. Um, she's mm -hmm. retired. But she works uh, about 35 hours at Sam's Club just to keep busy. And they take Social like Security, it. you know, out of her paycheck. Um, are they supposed to be... Yes, unfortunately, there is nothing in tax law that says just because you're a worker and you don't want to sit at home and watch the grass grow that you don't have to pay into Social Security. Theoretically, every year they reevaluate. But the fact is, let's be honest, she made more money or her, her husband probably made higher income back in the day uh, than it did, you know, than she is now. So she probably but yes, there's no time that you don't pay Social Security no matter how old you are. It's just okay, a shame. So it's so it's so it's correct coming out of her paycheck, even though she's yes, like Social Security. Okay, just that's yep. it. Okay, love your show. Great Thank question. You. Thank you so much. All right, bye. Um, again, I was uh, talking about the digital assets. Says at this time during 2023, did you receive as a reward, award, or payment of property or service? Sell, exchange, otherwise dispose of digital assets or financial interest in digital assets. So. Pretty much if you have any digital assets, even if you're just sitting on it, you pretty much need to say yes to that question as far as I'm concerned, because most people have either purchased it, you know, um, and what they're, they're really looking for, not the person that went out and brought Bitcoin, because that's an exchange. What they're looking for is somebody receiving it in a form of a tax or award that normally would come through the tax return on a 1099 MIS or some other format. And so they're trying to make sure that people are not not reporting income, right? I mean, that's what it comes down to, right, guys? They're just looking 
to make sure that people aren't working on the world of digital and, and ignoring it. I will say that more and more of the digital wallets are now reporting to the IRS. So just keep that again out there. If you know, if you are a person that does things in digital currency, you know, you're not really hiding. It's up to you. But as far as your tax person, if I'm your tax person, I'm going to ask that question and you're going to answer it. And that will be the answer I go with because I will have no way of knowing um, if you have virtual currency or not. But I do believe the IRS is getting more and more access to more and more of that information. So I don't think you're really hiding. And, you know, I'm just I'll be honest. I've always been one of those people. I like to sleep at night and I, I've just never been one of those people that I'm going to turn around and, you know, I'll be the one caught that, uh, just say no to something and then find out that you didn't have it. Um, and if you do have cryptocurrency and maybe some of it has went, um, completely down to zero, keep in mind that converting, um, and changing, um, to, to some of that digital currency, you may not be able to deduct it because it wasn't possibly reported properly or if you're holding digital in your wallet. Um, so the IRS says if you're holding digital currency in a wallet or an account, you can say no to that question. Transfer digital assets from one wallet to another account. You can say no. Purchase the digital assets using a U.S. or other currency, including through electronic platforms. You can say no. But if you receive digital as a payment of property, yes. If you received assets resulting from award or reward, yes. Digital currency asset resulting from mining, which means if you're creating digital currency stakes or similar activities, you have to say yes. Digital assets resulting from hard fork, a branch of the crypto blockchain that is a split probably a little more than most of them. I know a few of you guys are hardcore, so I shouldn't say that. Sold any digital currency or disposed of any financial digital currency? The answer to that question would be yes. So if you've got questions, you can always call the show or you can email me at friday at drfriday.com. I will be more than glad to uh, do my best to answer those questions and do the best that we can to um, get you on you know, the, the right track because that's the important part of everything, right? Just making sure that we're all reporting our things. We don't want to be looking over our shoulder, dealing with the IRS two or three years later, had a situation where normally six years is the window. As long as you stay in compliance, most things are good. But I've had a gentleman come in and he was self-employed for a number of years. And we're having to go back to 2012, 2013, dealing with some of those issues because they weren't dealt with. And so making sure that you have all of your taxes. And, you know, even if you can't pay them, filing them are kind of important. If you file, then the time clock starts. And then, you know, they only have 10 years to collect unless we stop the time clock doing something like an offer and compromise or something like that. It's just really important that you understand how the time for collection works. And 10 years is a long time. You know, right now you'd be having a really, really hard time, which might be a perfect time to have the conversation with the IRS because when you're not at your best is when you kind of want to have the cough. If you, do, if you wait till you're back on your feet and you've got equity in a home and your jobs are back up, then you can end up having to pay more or not even be able to really make a deal, just pay off the total amount. All right, let's go really quick to Jerry in McMinnville and see if I can answer his question before the break. Hey, Jerry, what's happening? Not much. I was wondering if I sold some land and made a profit off of it, and I reinvest the money in some property in Florida, let's say I'm in Tennessee, can I count the profit off of uh, the purchase price of the other place? 
No, we don't have that on the tax code. In fact, I had a young lady come in that had thought that that was the case and she'd sold and brought and sold and bought. Um, right now, it would be straight capital gains. Now, you might be an uh, individual that might want to talk to someone about a 1031 exchange. If this isn't your primary home, is it your primary or is this just some dirt, some land that you own? Well, the land was uh, just the investment and the home is a, like a vacation home that okay. I bought in Florida. So if the the land can turn into a vacation home, if, as long as it's a vacation home in which you're Airbnb or renting out, if it's just a vacation home for you and your family, then you, a 1031 would not be allowed. But if you go from investment property to investment property, you could do a 1031, not pay tax on the land sale, change the basis on the new house based on that. And then you can keep that. And then when that one sells, you pay basically pay capital gains on the whole thing or continue doing 1031 exchanges. Um, but that would be a, something to think about, Jerry, if it's a decent amount of capital gains, if we're only looking at 20 or 30,000, it's probably not worth the headache. But if you're looking at $100,000 or more, it may be worth the conversation of having a 1031 exchange, taking your investment land and investing it into an investment property in Florida. I've got a number of people that have done it very successfully. Well, I didn't say in the forties, what would you do? If, it, if the profit was 40, yeah, I mean, you know, the capital gain would have been 40, you know, what I've made okay. off the land. Well, I'm just saying if the capital gain is like $40,000 and you've got 15%, that's like six, $7,000 in taxes, right? So yes. personally, I probably would just pay it and not have the government in any of my investment. You know, that would okay. be me. Thank you. No problem, buddy. Thank Thanks. You. Uh huh. All right. We're going to take another break here. We get back. We can take more of your calls. 615-737-9986. We'll be right back. All righty. We are back. This is the last part of the show. So if you've been holding your breath and you're like, oh my gosh, I've got a question and I'm not sure if I want to ask, go ahead and pick up the phone. 615-737-9986. 737 9986. It's going to start getting busier and busier. You should have most of your returns. So employers, make sure you've got your W-2s. Now keep in mind, many employers are sending out links. They're not actually having to print them and send them in the mail. It gets very expensive. They're actually going to just basically be sending you a link to download your W-2. Um, and so just keep looking for that if you haven't received it yet. Uh, no organizations like ADP, which is who we use, um, or Paycheck or any of the other ones. Most of them have links for the employees to download their pay stubs along with their W-2s, and those were available weeks ago, so you are able to get your W-2s. Uh, if you have 1099s, 1099 miscellaneous or 1099 NECs, that as an employer, any service that someone provides to you that they are not a corporation, then you need to be 1099ing them. So that means if you're a a person that has rentals. I use this a lot, but I know many people forget rental properties and you had a new repair on your um, AC unit, or you have a lawn person that cuts the grass um, or whatever you may have had done windows replaced, then those people should be receiving 1099s. Um, so that way they have the information for what you have. Now, if they're a corporation, you do not need to 1099 them. Um, also for all of those that might've applied for the ERTC credits or the ERC credits, um, you need to make sure there's that for one, there's huge, a number of audits going on. So you may get a love letter that says they're auditing your, um, 
employee retention. And if you didn't use a CPA firm, maybe you just use one of those that advertised. I don't know if they're going to stand behind uh, the work that they did. I know that we actually contracted out to a CPA firm for this reason, to make sure things were filed properly, that the information was submitted properly, um, and that that way they also someone that would stand behind the work um, if something were to happen because this is a very specific part of the code and it's very important to make sure that, you know, you had 941 X's that got filed, all kinds of different things that had to go. And so it's really important that um, you, if you file for it and April is basically the end of when they're going to be giving those credits. And I know they're way behind on some of the processing, but they've also opened up a ton of audits in this category. So again, if you receive the ERC credit, remember first, that's taxable income. So theoretically, the years that they refunded it, you need to go back to those years and file those returns. And you need to make sure you picked up all the money on your tax return because that is not like PPP money. This was completely taxable. Second part of that conversation is if you are still interested in getting ERC, this is your employee retention credit. There's probably every week five or six people calling your phones if you're a business owner uh, saying that they can process it. But it's very important to make sure you do have someone that really understands the system because, you know, last thing you really want to do is get yourself in trouble because of that. And 1099s, 1099 miss again are due the last day of January. So next Wednesday or thereabouts, we're going to have to make sure all of those have been put out. They can be sent electronically or you mail them to the individuals. Uh, but again, it is your responsibility. Keep in mind, as far as 1099 individuals, if you don't receive a 1099, that doesn't mean you don't report the income, right? If you were paid by anybody, doesn't make a difference who, you pick up all of the income, even if it came in through cash, no matter what, it went towards your lifestyle, which means that you want to make sure you can justify how did you pay for your car payments, your car repairs, your your mortgage, uh, your property tax, your food bill, your clothing bill, all of that went towards that. And if you're showing that you didn't make all that money, then likeliness is it's going to eventually, eventually, I'm not going to say I'm, I don't know if you'll ever be audited at all, but I think it's important to make sure tax law says you need to file all of it when it comes time. Even if you never get 1099, it's not there. They're, they're just recapping how much they sent to you. Your job is to track all of the income that comes to you no matter what. So very important to check that. You can also, once you start e-filing again, e-file opens on Monday, the 29th. That means once the returns are being accepted. You can then go to irs.gov, click on refund, track your refunds from there. Um, also, a major uh, policy change will end unannounced visits to taxpayers. Um, this is something that was going on. The IRS announced a major policy change that will end unannounced visits to taxpayers by agent revenue officers to reduce public confusion and increase safety. That's great news because I vote, tell people all the time, the IRS isn't going to just show up. They're not going to call. They're going to send you a bunch of letters. You're going to have time. Um, this is a huge change though, because for a long time, revenue officers would come knock on doors just to try to get information because people are avoiding them. But uh, that has come down the line. So that's something that's kind of new, a really unique circumstance. But I think part of that is, is for safety. I, I think a lot of people 
for one, think that every revenue officer that comes in or comes around carries a gun and that they're going to be threatening. Not the case. Many, many good friends that are, are working for the IRS, um, they're collection agency guys. But I do think it's probably for their safety that we don't have them knocking on doors and just showing up on announced doesn't mean they're not going to drive by your house and see how you live. I have had a lot of audits. And one of the first things a revenue officer will say to me is that, Hey, we drove by the house. We saw where they live. We saw the cars. We saw the toys, the boat, all these different things. And if you have those kind of circumstances, you know, again, just remember that these are the kind of things that you don't want um, to, to come back and bite you later, better to show it on your return, show the information. And then that way you can sleep well at night. All right, guys. So that will be pretty much all we have for the show today. We're going to be wrapping up here in just a few minutes. So if you want to ask a question during the week, um, I will do my best to respond to emails. I can't say it's going to happen as fast as it was prior to now, because we're kind of working seven day weeks now working on taxes, but you can email Friday at drfriday.com. Again, Friday, F-R-I-D-A-Y at drfriday.com. Um, also, if you want to um, set up a time to talk, if you've got tax issues or maybe you haven't filed taxes in a long time and you're like, oh my gosh, I've got to get myself back together. I'm tired of waiting to see if the next ball is going to drop, or maybe they're sending letters to your employer, which can be very embarrassing. You can also call my office Monday morning, 615-367-0819, 615-367-0819. And if, you're an, if you are an existing client of mine and you haven't yet set up your tax appointment, please call our office again at 615-367-0819 or text that number so we can get you on the calendars. We, we are pretty much filled up uh, for new clients, but returning clients always, always will have time for you guys. So um, need to get you on the calendar though, so we can make sure we've got your taxes ready for you and time to prepare those. If you, um, again, if you haven't filed taxes, maybe you have a certain or unique situation or you've received some love letters and you're really not sure how to respond. I mean, we've had some unique love letters in the last couple of weeks. I'll be honest, things that are coming back from 17, 18, 19, normally they're only going back a couple of years, but I've had a couple that have just come back, uh, 941 taxes, different things like that, where it looks like maybe the IRS is just preparing forms because they didn't receive them in the, in the proper time. But it, you know, just because you've got a letter that says you owe money doesn't always mean you truly owe that money. But if you don't read, respond and, and get to the bottom of it, you may owe it because after a while, the IRS is going to take their numbers and not pay attention to what you're saying because they've already sent out the information. You had time to um, review and change this information and it wasn't done. So again, not everything's going to stay as it is. If you just ignore the IRS, it's not always going to be a good thing. All right. So one more time, phone number to the office, 615-367-0819, 615-367-0819, Friday at drfriday.com, probably one of the easiest ways to get a hold of me. Email Friday at drfriday.com or check us out on the web, drfriday.com. You can find out who I am, what I do. I am an enrolled agent licensed by the Internal Revenue Service. 
to do taxes and representation, which basically all I do. So it means I'm kind of like the shield between you and the IRS, but we're also here to help you get into compliance and understand what is your taxes that needs to be filed, where are you at and what you need to do. I hope you guys enjoy this Saturday. Call you later.